What are you, what are you, crazy? You're the freaking Beatles. You're the biggest band in the world. You haven't written any songs? <laughs> what is this in, insanity? Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and as we shift our focus to Sin City for money in the bank, we would be remiss not to take a peek at hell in a cell in our rear view mirror. Of course, I can't do that all on my own. Please welcome the Andy Summers to my sting, the voice of NXT 2.0, Vic Joseph. But Vic, before you say hello to the WWE Universe, I have to welcome the third part of our trio. We can't truly be the police without our Stuart Copeland. Mm. And assuming that role, one of the biggest stars on Friday Night SmackDown. He is a master strategist. He is doing the bidding of the bloodline in a spectacular way. Please welcome Sami Zayn. Thank you, Corey. Appreciate that. You know, I, I, uh, I suddenly miss having you on Friday Night SmackDown with that warm... <laughs> That warm intro and fine, you know, just having somebody in my corner was so nice. And I felt like you always got me, you know? I do. You I got do. Me. I, and I need, I need my Sami Zayn fix. I miss getting to hang out with yeah. you on Fridays. You were one of the, one of the smiling faces that always made Fridays a little more bearable. And I deal with Vic each and every Wednesday. So, what you know, what does that mean? It means I had to have an ally. Yeah, Vic, no offense. I like you. I like you. But like, you're not, uh, I don't know. You're not a ray of sunshine or anything, you know? Well, I'm not meant to be a ray of sunshine. That's <laughs> yeah, part of yeah. my charm. <laughs> like, you, you, you don't walk in and brighten a room with your lively, you know. Oh, I come in and tell it like it is, man. This life. sucks. Like, yeah, this city it, sucks. It. It's raining. It. I don't want to do See, that. That's, that's the Vic I know. Yeah. yeah, that's the best Vic that there is. I actually am <laughs> glad you're here, Sammy, because I'm actually worried about Corey. Why? Oh, Pizzagate 2022, if you weren't on social media. No, no, no. You quit, quit doing Pizzagate. That's you, you, I'm not sure you can mention Yeah, Pizzagate you can't here, talk fellas. about that on a podcast. That's like a, a big time, because it's a huge political conspiracy. With Oh, well, let me rephrase weird, that then. That, uh, so now we know that Vic's a member of QAnon. That's what we've, that's what we've <laughs> established. Let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. We don't need to talk about my pizza incident. It's been resolved. I, I received my refund. I was upset for about 15 minutes and I okay, got my pizza. Okay, well, see, that's a totally different pizza gate from the other one he's yeah, talking about. Yeah, thank you, Sammy. <laughs> very, very different. So what happened? He got bad pizza, got angry. Oh, it wasn't bad pizza, dude. It was It was a pizza that had to have been delivered with malicious intent. We've Why all had a that? bad pizza where, you know, maybe the the cheese slides off the top of the pizza or the toppings are stuck to the box occasionally. You know, we've all had a less than ideal pizza delivery experience. Mine looked as though it had been uh, devoured and regurgitated and then spiked like a football on my front porch. Uh, wow. It was very, very, very malicious delivery. It was like when Ace Ventura delivered the first package yes. and Ace Ventura yeah, one who yeah, just yeah, was yeah, kicking yeah. it through the hallway. That's essentially what happened to this pizza. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. 
We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Let's talk about Sunday. Let's talk about something in the more immediate past, that being the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Sammy, I believe it was a travesty that you were not featured on the premium live event known as Hell in a Cell, given your history within the company. But we're not here to argue all that right here and there. Let's talk about what the entire business is buzzing about. Sammy, uh, you, you no doubt have heard uh, I imagine you've seen, but you're a busy guy. You you definitely know the fallout from the main event this past Sunday, Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes inside Hell in a Cell. A match that last week here on After the Bell, I hyped as being one that I could see people as they grow. Y- younger fans who are watching now, watching what went down Sunday as a pivotal moment or a, I saw that match and it made me want to do that. I saw that match and that's what really solidified me being a a fan of this era of WWE or just the business as a whole. That was before anybody knew that Cody had been injured. That was just me, you know, putting over the talents and two guys that I'm a huge fan of and what they've done to this point, starting back at WrestleMania, WrestleMania backlash. Based on what you know about what went down, Sammy, from your perspective as a professional, as a sports entertainer, as a competitor, what do you think this past Sunday's match means in the grand scheme of what's going on in the business. Well, so I'm inclined to agree to an extent here about that. That's going to be a match that people will talk about for many years to come. And one of the things that makes it uh, so special, and this is not something you could plan. It's just circumstance. Right. Some of the, these matches, you can never recreate them. You know, I was actually having a conversation with someone uh, backstage last week, someone new to the company was asking what matches should I watch? They're new to WWE. They work here now. They wanted to know what matches. I'm really starting to really like the in-ring aspect of wrestling, not just the storytelling. What should I watch? And a few matches came up. But then I realized as we were talking about these different matches, some of these matches are so special only because of the exact time and the exact place in which they took place. So, for example, and this might not be the best example, but if you watch... uh, Sean versus Undertaker from WrestleMania 25. Pro- probably the maybe the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. Definitely maybe. in the conversation, for 100%. sure. But if you watch it now, not knowing at the time that those kind of matches didn't really happen, because matches like that have been imitated or... Uh, Attempted to recreate. Attempt- yes, yes. You see a lot of that now. But, you know, that was, what, 13 years ago, and that just didn't happen, especially with guys like Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. You never saw anybody kick out of any of their stuff like that, their finishes. So it was very special because of the time and place and when it took place. And I think what's going to make this match special, even though it's an unfortunate circumstance, is Cody's injury. Him braving that injury, which was so visual, like you can see there's no way around that. And I, you know, I want to talk about that the visually speaking, Sammy, because I was there ringside in the in the Allstate Arena. You know, you've been and performed in that arena. That's generally one of our building. loudest, most raucous buildings. Love going to Chicago oh, yeah. for that very reason. The crowd was at eleven, man, for both entrances. Wow. Seeing Seth in the in the polka dots and, and that disrespect. That was and a great touch. Cody making his entrance, and they did the announcements. And when Cody peeled his jacket off. 
I've never experienced something like that from a live crowd. Wow. And I did in that moment where everybody went, oh yeah, this is going to be, oh no. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it was like as though everybody in attendance felt guilty for watching what they were about to watch because everybody realized there's no way Cody can be, this, this is this is not a storyline. This is dangerous. This is scary. And it added yeah. a whole other dimension. And it took the guys four or five minutes of actual action before the crowd got back into it because it was like everybody felt like they were watching something they shouldn't be seeing. Oh, wow. It See, was that's very, interesting. very that, strange. That's a feeling that you could, again, you have to be there to feel that. You know what I mean? And that's not something you can recreate. Right, right. It was. It was a perfect storm. I mean, all, all the different aspects. Came and you know, because you've, you've worked hurt over the years. Very rarely do you have an injury that's that visible. Right. Right. So like, you know, you, there's guys who, you know, even if, if the commentator says, oh, this guy's working with a torn ACL tonight or his shoulder is hanging out, you can't really see it. So you don't fully understand it as a fan. Right. As a performer, we do, but sure. as a fan, but because Cody's injury had such a spectacular visual component to it, like you said, it almost sucked the air out of the building for a second and this, oh my God, he's going to yeah. wrestle like this. Yes. So I think that's the part that's going to make it the most memorable. That aspect of it. There was such an audible hush, Corey, to your point, because I was sitting at home watching it, that you heard everyone go <gasps> almost yeah. in unison. It was it was unreal. You felt at home the air like leave the arena. And yeah. you were like, I was like, whoa, wait a minute, what just happened? Like it was wild. It to was be unbelievable. Back watching. And to me, it was just just the emotion, the story. To your point, Sammy, the circumstance was the X factor. I yeah. had no doubt that those two, you, you've been in the ring with both of these guys. You, you know what amazing talents these guys are, and, and they, they want to be the flag bearers that carry this place into the future, and they're doing a great job. And I had no doubt in my mind it was going to be an epic, memorable match. But right. that extra wrinkle, that little layer of yeah. the injury really just, just turned things up to a whole new level. I want to ask you, because you had mentioned something about a, a fellow competitor asking you, uh, which matches you should watch. But what, what stood out to me was why they want to watch the match because they had learned to enjoy the in-ring aspect as opposed to the storytelling aspect. I should be clear. It wasn't a performer, in-ring performer. It was a backstage person okay. who, who had recently been hired by WWE with regards to creative services and stuff like that. Okay. But now, now that they were working you know, around the WWE, it was also they were starting to get hooked on the in-ring aspect more than just the story. Perfect. Perfect. Regardless of who the person was, it was that that perspective that I was after because you are a guy, uh, and Vic and I were talking offline before before we started the show. You were a guy who took the journey to WWE based primarily on wrestling, on matches, on good right. matches, on the independence, the whole rise of you know that masked superstar that you used to run into from time to time. Uh, Sami Zayn arrived in NXT, you and your matches with Cesaro, and you were an in-ring guy for, the, for yeah. the most part. Was there a moment, was there a light bulb that went off in your brain where you went, okay, wait, there's a lot more to this than just doing cool moves and having great matches. You just had one of the most featured matches at WrestleMania all weekend with Johnny Knoxville of Jackass fame. Certainly not what we're used to seeing Sami Zayn do, but it's something you've totally embraced and you're hitting home runs time after time. Was there a conversation or something that you realized where you went, it's not just about hitting haluva kicks and doing cool spots anymore? Uh, so the first instance of this actually did take place on the independence. Okay. And it was myself and Kevin were doing a storyline. We were tag team partners on, and, uh, 
And then we were doing this storyline where we were going to split up and it was going to culminate in a year-long program. And a year is already very hard to do. Especially on the independence. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I back then I used to say, especially in the independence, but now that I'm in WWE, I'd say, oh, especially in WWE because Fair. of the week-to-week content that we have to create. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, at the time it was kind of unheard of to build a story for a year like that. And, and we did. And I think that was the first time that I really took uh, the reins on a story. And then when we did the match, the match would have been good as it is, but it was the culmination of that year-long story that made it so memorable. People still talk about it to this day. And it's been 12 years or whatever it is. So that was the first time that I can really consciously remember taking the reins on a storyline, you know, along with Kevin. I don't want to say it was all me, but just, just really sinking that creative aspect of the story, not just the match, and realizing, oh, wow, it heightens it so, so, so much more when there's a rich story behind it. Of you know course. what I mean? And, and if you think about all these great matches we're talking about, there's always a great story leading up to it too. You right. know, always. So for you to, to sort of step out of the box that you were, you had existed in, not necessarily by your own choice, but again, I'm thinking back to what made Sammy a household name back in the NXT days. And, and it was always going out there and you, you, you had the passion, you had the emotion, all of the, that sort of thing. But now you're, you, I, I want to focus on WrestleMania particularly because it, that was entertainment right? You had to know going in, you and Johnny Knoxville weren't going to have a quote-unquote five-star classic match. You had something entirely unto itself. It was a, it was a spectacle. Yeah. In my opinion, Vic and I stood there in the arena, in the stadium, and watched it go down, and I cannot <laughs> compliment you enough. I, I believe I actually texted you after the fact because it was like, wow, you, you yeah. superseded expectations. You have to give yourself a little credit for that, but how did that come to be? Where What what made that so special? Uh, oh, man, I don't even know where to begin, but I'd like to, there's one little statement you made that I'd like to expand upon a little bit here. Please. But I don't want to get into like, because it can become a real rant here. I don't want to go into the anatomy of a match and all this kind of thing. But while it was a spectacle and while it was dressed with all kinds of, uh, you know, Bells special and effects. and but right. Yeah, if you want to call it that, right? Uh, and stuff that you don't normally get to do with a normal WWE superstar in a normal wrestling match, I still think it was actually a great wrestling match. Because if you look at the things that actually the components of a wrestling match, they're all there. Sure. Like we didn't throw anything out of the, of the, of the framework of a wrestling match to create this match. Right. That, it was an entertaining spectacle within the framework of a wrestling match. So there's, yeah. there's still an established baby face and a, a good guy and a bad guy. And the storytelling is all there. And even, even the gags and the goofs that Johnny Knoxville the timing. Well, there's that, and there's also those are his moves because he's not a wrestler. <laughs> you know, what I, I guess mean? yeah, I guess so. I, I never looked at it like that, Sammy. We got time, buddy. We got yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I brought you on here for a reason. Let's let's talk. Let's <laughs> chat. Sammy. That's a that's a great analogy because now that I'm thinking about you saying that, I'm like, oh yeah, if that was quote unquote a video game, that'd be his signature that's, move. That's where I went. Exactly. I went to, I went to the old WrestleMania arcade game where right. Yokozuna had a salt bucket and, and some yeah. razor had the razor on the chop. Yeah, like thing, I get it. Yeah. And if you look at it in that context, then it does make a lot more sense. A little profound to hear you explain it that way. I'm telling you, if you go back and watch it and you 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 don't look at the the and it's very hard to do because well, actually, so it's here's a okay, let me let me slow it down here a little bit. One of the things that we run into because we work here and we're surrounded by this all the time, 
and especially you, Corey, because you worked in the ring for so many years, sometimes it's hard to take off the insider goggles and just put on fan goggles. Yes. Right? Like you're looking at structure, you're looking at the things that you know are the components. So one of the things I'm really proud of is that that match blinded so many people internally to all mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Like people, people who know the business inside out, who've been working forever, forgot about match structure, forgot about match psychology, when you should do this, where you should do that. And they were just reacting in real time to all of it. But if you actually look back on it, structurally speaking, it's a normal wrestling. It checks all the boxes. I'm going to have to it watch, watch all it boxes. back. Because Vic and I stood there in AT&T Stadium. We were in our little corral area for the announcers that weren't working at the time. And there were only a few moments all weekend that I got to do that. And Vic and I were standing there. And in particular, the body slam yeah. <laughs> may have been, and I say this without any exaggeration, may have been the loudest AT&T Stadium was all weekend long, wow. with the exception of when Stone Cold's glass broke. That's how it, it, the magnitude of that moment. And Vic and I are looking at each other laughing and smiling and going, God, this is so much fun. And it was different and it stood out. And in the wake of WrestleMania, a lot of people still talking about that matchup because it was just so different. I think people talk about that for, year, for, for years and years and yes, years. Definitely. But for maybe different reasons than let's say a Cody and Seth match from Hell in a Cell that we're talking about. But so another thing that I'm really proud of of that match is what, one of the things you touched on earlier when you brought it up, it's we created something that doesn't actually, like it doesn't really exist. There's not really a match like that anywhere else. Right. Because there's only one Johnny Knoxville and one Sami Zayn and one WrestleMania where, where those things could exist. Going back to what we were talking about with Cody and Seth, circumstance. There is an element of circumstance to this because you can't recreate that match you just can't recreate that, man. Like, for example, you could watch Undertaker Sean, and you could be two guys on the independence, and you can do your little version of that match. You can't redo the, the, a version of this match because it doesn't exist. Right. Like, right. there's no, there, there's you no template. Some, there's you, no you, other, you, yeah, there's right. no other party boy. There's no other wee man. Right. There's no other giant <laughs> hand. You know what I mean? Was there was there ever a moment all all WrestleMania weekend or in the lead up to this where you because we're about the same age and you you grew up and Jackass was a, a cultural phenomenon here in, in, at least in the United States where yeah. everyone and their brother was obsessed with it. Do you ever have any moments in this process where you went, man, Party Boy is shaking his parts at me at WrestleMania? <laughs> well, so and I said this in a couple of interviews, but I didn't grow up a Jackass fan. Okay. So, but I obviously knew what, you know, what a huge deal it was and all that. So there were definitely moments in the lead up, like, man, I never thought uh, 20 years ago when I started wrestling that I'd be wrestling Johnny Knoxville at WrestleMania. Of course you have those thoughts, right? But, but I had to do a little bit of homework for the match too, because I had a preconceived notion from, of what Jackass was from 20 years ago to when I, when I first made the decision, I'm not into this. <laughs> 20 years ago, when it, when it was like, hey, there's this thing called Jackass. And all I understood about Jackass is a bunch of guys getting hurt. And I don't really like watching guys get hurt or people yeah. people like hurting themselves. Kevin is different. He loves those videos of like <laughs> people slipping and falling or whatever. He loves that stuff. I, I'm kind of squeamish. I'm like, God, oh, don't show me that. So so I, I didn't really know what Jackass was about. And I kind of made the decision early on, like, oh, it's not for me. But then, you know, now revisiting it and all, I've said this before, but I find it ironic that I missed the point of what Jackass was all about. Because the reason Jackass was a huge cultural phenomenon is because of the 
it was the camaraderie and it right. was the it's guys the doing everything. Yes. It's the crew and you get me and I get you. And like, it's the laughs and which is, it's so funny and ironic that I would miss the point because I love wrestling. Yes. And people constantly miss the point about wrestling, so this and that. And it's like, well, you don't even understand what this is about. It's exactly. not, that's not what it's about. So it's just so funny that I would have missed the point. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm quick to call myself out on that. And I'll admit I was wrong. So all this to say, going back and watching Jackass a little bit going into the match, um, you know, it was kind of like I wanted it to be a, uh, a really a, a, a true pro wrestling Jackass collaboration crossover. And I think that's what it was. If you go back and watch it and like maybe a little elements of, of home alone as well, but that's a different thing, but uh, that's kind of what I wanted. I wanted it to be true to what happens when wrestling meets jackass. And I think we nailed it. Mission accomplished. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. Nailed it. You know, as Corey said, we stood there with like our childish glow on our faces. We were looking around at everyone rising and there was a moment in yeah. the match that I, I think I, I said, Oh, they're about to go nuts. And I think, he kicked out of something and the place like erupted in laughter and the match was great itself. But I want to go back to you actually diving into this story to the yeah. point where you did the stuff on social media, because I think that also is now getting lost after the match. Like this was that beautiful story, right. told, but through the power of Instagram and, and Twitter and, and things like that. Well, so that's another thing that, um, that I take a lot of pride in now looking back on all of it and, and talking about circumstance. The buildup to that match is also not a buildup you could have done with anyone else. I can't build my Hell in a Cell match with, with Seth Rollins, for example, by flying his phone number over Los Angeles. Like, it's just not, that's not how you do, you know, that's just not how you build programs. That's not what that was. That, that, you're, it was such a unique thing. Right. Exactly. We got to go so far out of the box and I got bit, but I got kind of addicted to it. I was like, oh man, here's all these things we can do next. And there's just so much awesome stuff that we could do that I think is very, like him giving out my phone number and me taking all those calls. And I think that's going to be very, very memorable. Um, it was, it was so very good. exciting. And there was so much other stuff that, that, that was on the, the table to do that for one reason or another, we didn't get to do. But it just, um, and one of the big things was the red carpet premiere at the Chinese theater in Hollywood, going yeah. to the, the movie premiere. And that was such an awesome moment for me. Very, I've never done anything like that before, but it was, uh, it was, it was like an, it was my Andy Kaufman moment a little bit, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, with, with Dave Letterman. And, and the thing that I find funny is in this case, I was Andy Kaufman and the wrestler. Yeah. I was both, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah. 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 Which is funny, but it just got me so addicted or not almost going back to what you asked me about when, when was the light bulb moment of, uh, you know, transitioning from good match guy to storytelling guy or whatever it is. This was a bit of a light bulb moment for like, Oh man, there's just so many creative ways I want to do things. And I hope I can do them. It's kind of hard sometimes here with the, the nature of how we do things, but it just got me so excited about the uh, out of the box ways to build a story or tell a story and things to do and, and ways to build your character, all all this fun stuff. Uh, and and I couldn't have done it with anyone else except Johnny Knoxville because he's not a he's not a conventional wrestler. B he's not even a conventional celebrity. That's true. <laughs> you know, like like if I was wrestling Leonardo DiCaprio, we wouldn't be doing this stuff. It's because uh, it's because that's what Johnny Knoxville does. He does gags and goofs, and he gets you this way and that way, whatever. So it could only have worked with him. So that that was another thing that. Uh, 
a big takeaway for me is the creative way we can go about telling stories and getting character stuff over and doing things that we don't always do. But it remains, it'll, <laughs> it remains to be seen how much of that I get to do going forward. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You mentioned Andy Kaufman and obviously a lot of external influences. What other external influences do you bring to the table somewhat commonly when, when it pertains to you and what you're doing on screen and whether it be in a match or, or who you're portraying as a character? What inspires Sami Zayn these days? Uh, I just try not to think of wrestling, I think is the big thing. I don't use, I try not to use wrestling influences at this point. For sure, there are people that... Uh, I'm wearing a Bobby the Brain Heenan shirt. I don't know if you could see it now. Sure can. But I'm, de I'm definitely like, there's pieces of his act and they're so small, but they're in this. And there's like Terry Funk and there's all these little pieces of little, and they're so small that you all, I, I almost can't credit them as major influences, but they're just tiny little things. Or Roddy Piper is another one. But, um, but they're, they're not people that I built my entire character around. The character stuff for me is more about like, don't, I just don't think of wrestling. I try not to think of wrestling. I try to think of this is a character on, uh, in a movie or a television show and whatever. I, I keep drawing the parallel and I was, I was hoping to be able to say something regarding it on commentary, but the opportunity didn't present itself about how your, uh, alliance with the bloodline recently reminds me of the episode of the office where Pam created her own position. She started telling people she was the administrative assistant and enough people went, okay, yeah, I guess this is Pam. She's our she handles all these different things now. And she eventually gets gets the role and everything she wanted because she just faked it until she made it, basically. Right, and that's right. very much the mentality that I'm like, I can explain that. Sammy's just he's trying to get in and that's he's just doing it his own way. That's a great, that's a great example, actually. That's a great example. And it's just, I think that's how I started looking at wrestling and the business and all that stuff is uh 
things that you could compare it to outside of wrestling if you've never seen wrestling before? Like, oh, like this kind of like that episode of uh, Seinfeld or, or The Office or whatever. You know what I mean? That's that's a great. I couldn't have said it better. That's perfect. And that's how I approach all the character stuff. And I, I appreciate that. And I, I think that's something that I've only recently started looking at uh, from how I'm presenting the business. Because uh, to your point, it's very easy to get stuck in the wrestling bubble. That's yeah. we, we are with each other. We are constantly exposed to the same people and the same mentalities and the same goals. So to be able to look outside the box, as cliche as that sounds, yeah. is of the utmost importance. And it makes me wonder, and Vic, I think this is going to strike a little closer of a chord with you, looking at NXT 2.0. And what NXT has become since the days of Corey Graves, Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, the, the Wyatt family, that, that whole crew and what NXT was when we were there, it's very different. But now you see a lot of young guys and girls trying to find themselves from a character perspective. Sammy, I know NXT is very, very near and dear to your heart. Did you get to keep eyes on that nowadays? And I want to get your thoughts on what NXT 2.0 is. Well, so it's actually funny that you bring this up because I happened to stumble upon a video or two, one of them was actually today, of myself in NXT very early, very, very early. And I was doing the same thing that these guys in NXT 2.0 were doing uh, in the beginning, which is just trying to find yourself, especially for me, because I had come from a different background, right, with different character and all this stuff. So I was trying to find my voice. I was trying to find my facial expressions, my all of that stuff. I was trying to find myself. And I kind of don't remember that part of NXT so much because I tend to remember the later half once that character got a bit more developed right. and then we were, you know, telling good stories and, and uh, having good matches and building NXT into to, to becoming what, it, you know, what people now know about NXT. Right, right. But there's that first little year where I'm there where I'm still kind of finding my footing. And now when I see these guys and girls in NXT 2.0, I mean, I'm having this today. I just saw this video today. So today's when I made the connection of like, oh, this is exactly where these guys and girls are now. Right. And because sometimes there, there might be a tendency to watch something. And in NXT, it's different because you're you're forgiving it because you know it's develop they're developing themselves. Correct. But but there's the there's the inclination sometimes. Sorry, my thoughts are a little scattered here, but let me just jump to something else. Sometimes one of the things when guys get called up from NXT to the main roster, you'd hear a lot about like, oh, there's yeah, it, there's a perceived disconnect. Oh, yeah, yeah. They just didn't it didn't crossover right and the main reason for that and i realized this many years ago is because an nxt they got to see that transition and they got to come along for the ride and watch you blossom into this character and then when you go up to the main roster all they're seeing is this fully fleshed out character and they don't know what made you who you are so they're just like oh you're this thing okay you don't have the backstory to the character as to why you care about exactly exactly it's like this might not be the best example but if you ever had friends that you grew up with and if you met them now you'd probably never talk to them in a million years 100 (laughs) percent. but the reason you forgive them for all their flaws and all is because you saw what made them the person they are today Correct. You saw that whole transition from childhood and whatever you understand why they are the way they everything is within context exactly Exactly. So it comes back to that uh, and just understanding it. Right. So I think sometimes fans or even us, maybe we tend to watch something and go like, oh, this person, like, this isn't for me. This, this character is not. But in NXT 2.0, it's a bit more forgivable because we know they're developing. We know they're finding their footing. And uh, I actually kind of find it exciting because it depends on why you're watching NXT. If you're watching NXT right before the reboot or whatever, 
those are, you know, fully fleshed out characters that you, you know, you know what you're watching. But now it's kind of reverted back to what it was when you and I first got there in right. like 2012, 2013, which is, hey, let's let's throw these people out there. And now on, on live television, so that's crazy, but let's throw these people out there and let them find themselves and let the fans gravitate towards certain aspects of themselves. And then they'll, little by little, they're, they're carving out this, you know, this sculpture of what they're going to end up being. So I find it exciting in that way. One of the unique things too, and, and Corey and I have talked about it, is you get to go along for that ride. But as a fan, you can quote unquote latch on to somebody and be part of that entire journey from right. day one and until whatever. And I think that's interesting this day and age in the, the bubble we live in of sports entertainment. I, I still get fans will say to me when they come up, they'll be like, I was a fan since the NXT days or since the Ring of Honor days or right. PWG days or whatever. So I do think that, again, talking about friends you knew from a long time ago and that, that strengthening the bond because you, you, you know the backstory. Um, I think fans really like that. They want to be along for the journey. They don't want to just be handed a guy or a girl and be like, this is your product. You take it. And you'll like it because we said you'll like it. Right. No, whoa, whoa. They need to know why they should care. Across the board. Yes, yes, yes. They want to be made to care. Think back Think back to, to promo class with Dusty Rhodes. We can all communicate, right? We can all, all convey something. But why? what is going to make fans care about what we're saying? Why we're saying it? Our motivations good guy or bad guy, when you have that complete package, that's when people latch on. I can give you a backstory and tell you why Kevin Owens is the way he is. I can tell at this stage in your career why Sami Zayn is who he is versus somebody who just pops on the screen. Oh, okay, they look cool. Oh, and they're telling me that, oh, they're beating up the guy that I like, so but why do I, I don't care? think right. I'm supposed to like him, but I need more. And, you know, actually just touching on something you said there, when you were asking me earlier about the character stuff, one of the things that I really like about the character stuff that I've been doing for a while is it's all kind of transitioned seamlessly into the next phase. So like, if you go back uh, from really, I come back from injury in like 2018 or 2019, the, the years start to blend to me a little bit now, but uh, I, I start losing or whatever. And then I do this thing where I say, I'm going to, I'm going to make it about somebody else and I'm going to help other people. And I become Shinsuke's uh, Nakamura's man manager slash mouthpiece or whatever. And then that transitions into this thing with the, the great liberator. And then, and then the title, I win the intercontinental title and then that gets taken away from me. And then I come back and I win and I'm this undisputed champion. And then I lose and I claim it was a conspiracy. And then I go down this crazy conspiracy rabbit hole. And, and, and then, you know, like each, each part of the character made sense because of the previous thing that happened. It's not just like, Hey, I'm doing a new thing and here it is. Like Sami Zayn acts like this now or talks like this now. You set up a pillar to yeah, make, why, build why a bridge. Why is he acting this way yeah. all of a sudden? You're, and you're right about that. How is that something you had to consciously bring forward when, when you realize, okay, hey, this is what's coming next for me. It's up to me to bring the past forward or did it kind yeah. of happen without a, a whole lot of struggle? Uh, so it's more, it's, I would say less about the past and more about forward. Like okay. what's the next step from here? Right. Okay. So I had this whole conspiracy, the documentary, all this stuff. Okay. Well, it's over now. What's the, what's the next step for the character? Logically, you know yep. what I mean? Where, where does this person go next? Uh, but so that way it's like, it's adding onto the layers that are already there. 
rather than just saying like, okay, I'm done doing the conspiracy stuff. Now my new thing is whatever fishermen or, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like what I, I just don't, that's the one thing is, is it, there's a personal pet peeve of mine. Sometimes when you start seeing characters act a different way and you have no, no, no idea, idea why, why they're acting yeah. this way. It's like, 100%. I, I was doing, you know, this is a thing with the girls a few years ago. It's gotten much better now, but I remember especially on house shows one week, the girls would be good guys. And then the next they're bad guys or even on TV, Alicia Fox would be like a good guy one week. And then, and then a bad guy one week. And you don't know what's you just, how can you, how can you as a fan latch on as you're talking about when there's that inconsistency, that lack of emotional connection. It's just inconsistency. I I need to, I need to know what's going on before you can care. You need to know what you're trying to care about. (laughs) And when you, when you're acting a certain way, I need to kind of know why you're acting that way. Correct. You know what I'm saying? That that's it. That's that's all. You know, like even the conspiracy stuff. I didn't necessarily set out to do like, oh, I'm going to do a conspiracy character. But once I lost the title and I started uh, going further and further down this persecution complex, and it's like, yeah, the reason he thinks there's this conspiracy is because he lost. He's not just right. all of a sudden talking about conspiracies. Like there's there's always a reason why you're doing what you're doing. That's what I'm right. Getting. And in the motivation for any character, that's what separates a a great movie villain like like a a Joker or even a Thanos who has motivations that you can understand. And it's up to you to kind of pick. Do I agree? Do I not agree? Is this? And, and it kind of lets. It's almost a choose your own adventure when you put the motivations out there. Like it, yeah, did Sammy get screwed I, at the commentary desk? I of course take that side of and course, I have a blast yeah. with it just to have fun because that's what entertains me. But it's kind yeah. of a, a choose your own adventure in, in any aspect of, of the business. But I totally agree the importance of context and, and acknowledging everything the character has done up to that given point in their career. Well, while we're talking about NXT and and, and finding oneself recently, this past Tuesday, someone, Sammy, you know very well, Apollo Crews made his return to NXT. And anyone who is knows Apollo Crews knows he wears his heart on his sleeve. Did I freeze? Is that a question? <laughs> well, my computer keeps freezing. You said he wears his heart on his sleeve. I keep looking at you guys. I go, <laughs> and it stopped, and then everyone was looking at me, and I was hey, like, what the hell going on? I got on? a question for you. I like potatoes. Shut the f*** up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, while we're talking about, you know, development and, and NXT and your thoughts on individuals, recently this past Tuesday, Apollo Crews returned to NXT. Anyone that knows Apollo knows he wears his heart on his sleeve. What are your thoughts about Apollo Crews coming back to NXT 2.0? Uh, sorry, I'm just laughing about it. <laughs> <laughs> I broke us. I couldn't, yeah. Well, I'm looking at the screen and all of you go, uh... And I'm like, well, I might as well stop because I'm frozen. I'm sorry. How did the question end again? I'll, I'll take it from I'll take it from the question. Leave this all in, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Vic. I'm sorry, Vic. Compose yourself. Sammy, I'm, I'm going to lay out here. I'm going to give the floor back to Vic. We're going to let Vic okay, try okay. to phrase his question in an answerable three times. Manner. I know it's my this fault. Is it. This is going to be the we, one. We can just take it from the. You nailed the question. So the question, the, was what was the question was essentially. Thoughts on Cruz coming back to NXT? I think it's a great opportunity for him. Uh, I do think he's great. I mean, just it's it's another. I guess if we go back to consistency, that's kind of been one of the things that's plagued Apollo Cruz. Is anytime he's gotten any kind of traction, for one reason or the other, momentum isn't on his side. Right. So hopefully in NXT, 
it just provides him the platform. Like you look at what Mandy Rose is doing. I think she's having a major career. I don't even want to call it resurgence because I think she's actually better than she's ever been. Sure. So uh, who knows? I, I think it could be a great thing. It, it could be a great opportunity. And actually, historically, Corey, even going back to when you and I were in NXT, a lot of times a main talent roster would come back. Cesaro. Cesaro. That's the one that stands out to me. And, and let's let's talk about I mean, Cesaro, that match with you in NXT is still talked about as one of, if not the best match of that era of NXT. And before that, Cesaro was a, a rugby player-ish, somebody's boyfriend, kind of, who just happened to be really good at wrestling. Right. And in that fresh coat of paint and getting to interact and show the world what he was capable of alongside superstars such as yourself really launched him into the next phase of his career. Right. I think it's just sometimes on the main roster, there's just so many talent and so little TV time. And sometimes people just don't get to showcase the best of themselves. And I think going back to Cesaro back in 2013, Apollo Crews present day, I think that could be a thing for, for both of them. And I think NXT just provides a bit of a platform to just more time, more of a platform to really... Really flesh yourself out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I remember we talked to Dolph Ziggler on the show a, a month or so ago while he had, I think it was right before he'd become NXT champion, but how, he was explaining how exciting it was to him after all these years doing everything there is to do in WWE to really yes, yes, really yes, work yes. out the kinks, almost like a, like a major comedy superstar going back to clubs and doing work. Yeah. And just trying yeah. to figure out, hey, I got new material. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, you're Dave Chappelle. Yeah, but Dave Chappelle is going to be in the back room of the comedy store trying out new things in front of a small group of people before he brings it to the masses. And, and I think that if, if you look at it from that perspective, there is a great opportunity for Cruz and anybody else who heads back to NXT. You know, another huge example of this actually is Drew McIntyre. Yes. Drew McIntyre got fired. I mean, he got yep. let go Great altogether. And then when he came back to NXT, now he was in a place, in a position, in a platform where he could really show what he can do. And then it reopened their eyes on the main roster to go, oh man, we love this version of them. I, I think it could be a great opportunity for him. And I've been in the ring with him. He's very, very good. Does Apollo Crews fall into that when you were talking about the transition where you go from NXT to the main roster and then you get there and there's like, well, we don't know the backstory? Did, does he fall under that umbrella? I don't think so because no. I don't think he really was all that built up in NXT either. He was only there for a cup of coffee. I, I, he worked, uh, yeah, he had a rather quick ascent. Was he down there less than a year, right? Would you say? Yeah, I would think yeah. so. Yeah, he wasn't there long. And even when he was there, he didn't get to do a whole lot of uh, storylines that really got to show personality. The best thing that he did in that first NXT run that I remember was they did a video package on him, just about who he was, his yes. upbringing and coming from Africa and all that stuff and his parents. And it like, I remember watching it and going like, oh my God, this is my guy. I love this guy. I, I want to see this guy succeed now. I agree. Do you I remember, remember that package? I, yes, I do. I do. And I remember actually Apollo coming up to me shortly after he arrived and I was doing commentary at the time. And, uh, he, he was explaining to me his backstory. Just it, like, like you said, his life story is fascinating, but it never really has been presented to the masses in a manner that everyone could latch onto it. So I think, I think heading back to NXT could be huge for Apollo. Looking across the landscape, Sammy, who are some people that you are excited to, to see what they develop into, whether that be in NXT or currently on Raw and SmackDown? Mm, that's an interesting question. Um, I think for sure, Braun Breaker jumps to mind because I actually wrestled him uh, in England. And it was uh, a <laughs> live, 
live events, a little tour, one of the first tours back after the pandemic when we returned to live events. It was a triple threat with myself, Braun Breaker, and Tommaso Ciampa. And uh, I think it was like his fifth match uh, out of the PC ever, maybe. Yeah, maybe his fifth, right. I don't know if it was his fifth match ever or his, it was, I think it was his first time out of Florida. That's for sure. And he, you know, for, for where he was at, I thought this guy's pretty good. And then just because we were wrestling every night on this little tour, four or five nights, just seeing his improvement and his ability to absorb what we were telling him over the course of those three days, I was like, oh, this guy's going to be good for sure. Uh, and I think he already has gotten way, way better just from that time till now. And, Again, he's in a position where he's carrying that title, so he's getting to do storylines and, and uh, you know, work on his chops. And just, you know, not everything's in ring. Some of it's acting, some of it's promos, some of it's, you know, it's all part of the, the mix, and he's getting to show some of that stuff. And I think he's doing pretty well. Um, I don't know. I guess he's the first name that jumps to mind, at least on the NXT side. I don't know. On SmackDown, I guess it might be interesting to see what Max Dupree brings to the table here. That could be something, you know, maybe bring a couple of new characters or sure. that could be interesting to watch. Uh, I do feel like, I don't know if it's, I don't know, maybe it's I'm on SmackDown. So I, I do feel like the, oh, Gunther, of course. Gunther, I want to yeah. see what, what he oh, does. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Gunther. When this airs, Gunther will be going one-on-one -on -one with Ricochet for the Intercontinental Championship. I don't like Ricochet's chances. <laughs> talk, talk, to, talk to the audience a little bit about, about uh, Gunther. We had him on here God, a, a year plus ago, he was, he was dominating NXT UK, and now the world is getting to find out what, to your point, Sammy, you have known for many years, and many of our talent up and down the rosters have traveled the world and have interacted or competed against Gunther in one form or another. Yeah, so I I think I wrestled him in 2011 or something like that, 2010, and met him in, ages ago in Germany, uh, and he was really good, and I actually, you know... Uh, I had a pretty good relationship with one of the guys who did the hiring back, back uh, in NXT when I first got here. And he asked me about him, Walter at the time. Yes. Said, what about this uh, Walter, Big Van Walter? I was like, yeah, great. You should get him. <laughs> He's really good. <laughs> and I, I don't know why they passed. I think at the time he just, he had a real baby face. I mean, I, I don't mean he was a good guy. I mean, he looked he like looked a, a like child. A, yes. He looked like an overgrown a child. Like he had a very yeah. childish face, which I thought was part of his appeal personally, but whatever. Um, but now he has this really like, his face is... It's a perma scowl. Yeah, this, that, exactly. What a great way to put it. He has this <laughs> permanent scowl and this big jaw and this chin that sticks out. And and now he's gotten himself into crazy shape yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, to watching his... Uh, his rise. And, you know, I had a little talk with him. Where was it? Uh, we, we did another tour recently in Europe, England, I think it was. And he was actually telling me he was kind of excited about this new phase in his career because of much of what we talked about earlier on this podcast here, but just about going from being a guy who's just like a good match guy. And, you know, you do those good matches long enough. You can, I don't want to say they're easy, but you can, you, you can kind of do them in your sleep and you know, you're good at it and, and it's just comfortable being taken out of his comfort zone and learning to, to just like entertain, to, to, to be able to go on a live event and have an entertaining match and an entertaining match. I don't want to, I don't want to going back to the Knoxville thing here. I don't want to put them in two separate categories An entertaining match and a great match doesn't mean they're the same thing. Okay. I'm just talking about when we talk about great matches, sometimes we have this very like epic dramatic sort of structure to it, but but an entertaining match is a great match if you do it right. 
And uh, just learning to work a new style and dive into a new set of skills that are required to do well in WWE on SmackDown. He's excited about it, which is which makes me think he's going to do really well. No, no, no doubt. I, I think we're all excited to see what Gunther. I still still not used to calling him Gunther. I know, perhaps because I, I, I'm yeah. not on SmackDown anymore. So I look back and I'm like, oh, that guy. Uh, but he yeah, definitely definitely has my attention. All right, Sammy, we've talked WWE a lot to this point. Uh, you have been very open about how you take external influences. What is Sami Zayn working on when he's not in the WWE bubble these days? What are you up to? What are you watching? What are you listening to? How are you passing the days? Uh, these, are, these are the conversations uh, that you and yeah. I used to get to have on the road once in a while, driving to, to Largo or wherever, yeah, yeah. listening to I, punk rock and ch chatting about life. You know, I'd say the last thing that I watched that really floored me, and it's probably been a few months now, but I, I'm still thinking about it a lot, is that Beatles Get Back documentary. I still haven't seen it. Edge has been oh, on me for God. months to watch it. So I just read, you know, I've gotten along with Edge for forever. And now I just found out that he's a Beatles diehard. Huge. Like I am. And I had no idea. So now I saw him at TV, I don't know, a week or two ago. And we got into like a 30-minute conversation about, about the Beatles stuff. So uh, I know Jericho's a, Jericho's a diehard. And I okay. know Edge is a diehard. I don't know who else we really have. Yeah, I remember last time we were in Saudi, I was sitting in catering with him chatting and he had just watched it. And he was oh like, you have God. to watch this. And, you and, have to watch and, it. And I, I just have not, I just haven't done it. I don't really have a valid excuse. I just haven't done it yet. Well, what are you going to do it's today? happening. After this, you're going to go watch it? I'm going to try to talk my wife into going to the amusement park, Vic. <laughs> That's what I'm trying oh, to hey, do. Hey, congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank Did you. I, even get to say, I don't think I even got to say congratulations yet. I appreciate it. Wow, man. Yeah. How about that? Well, as the world turns. <laughs> quite yeah, the journey. Yeah. <laughs> what a long, strange trip it has been. Yeah, the long and winding road, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> nice. We, we got yeah, about nine nice. minutes left. Let's just make nice. Beatles references. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, so I'm a huge Beatles fan. And it, to me, oh, man, I don't even know where to begin about this thing. It's so, it's so amazing that this thing even exists that we have this footage and that Peter Jackson was able to like remaster it. And there's like through AI, they were able to, I don't even know what he did. I didn't holes. even realize Peter Jackson did it. Lord of the yeah. Rings, Peter Jackson. Yeah, so yeah, if you think, uh, how can you make an, a documentary more epic? That guy can yeah. figure it out. It's, it's really, really great. And uh, I, it's obviously heightened. I think if you're a Beatles fan, right. But it, even if you're not, it's pretty remarkable have this insight and one of the, the i don't know not to get into a whole thing here but there is this one <laughs> scene that's particularly mind-blowing to me where uh paul and john have to go talk that's paul mccartney and john lennon for the uninitiated uh and they have to go talk <laughs> about something private and they sneak off into a room and unbeknownst to them there's a secret camera in a flower pot or a secret tape recorder so you have this audio of them talking when they're not aware cameras are on them Oh. And to me, that's the most mind-blowing, maybe the most mind-blowing part of the whole thing is just hearing how they talk with just each other when they think yeah. they're alone. You know what yeah. I mean? Very, very so that strange. part was awesome. And, and I think just, uh, I guess, to focus a, a little bit on the uh, theme of this podcast with creativity and all that, it's really remarkable to watch the creative process of them trying to put this, this whole thing together. And actually, <laughs> I'll tell you another reason why you guys would, would love it because you work for WWE. And when you work for WWE, this is a very, um, very, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. It's a well-produced show. You know, yeah, it can be chaotic at times, but for the most part, we have a lot of people on the ball. Things are like, if, sometimes too many hands are on it. 
This documentary is the complete opposite. They start and they're like, okay, in, a, in what is it, two weeks or a month, we're going to write an album, record an album, learn all the songs and perform it on a show and make it a documentary. They have nothing. They go in with zero, zero plans. Even before the famous rooftop concert, they don't have a location for the concert like three days out. Wow. And now when you come from the WWE world where everything is, you know, yeah, you know, on the ball and like, what are you, what are you crazy? You're the freaking Beatles. You're the biggest band in the world. You haven't written any songs. <laughs> what is this in insanity? You just can't believe how unprepared they are going into everything too. But much like all four Beatles, everyone on the roster is fully prepared to go, Oh, we don't know what we're doing tonight. That's all right. We're going to go out there and do it anyway. <laughs> Week after week. If only people knew how good <laughs> everyone in WWE is. They right? don't know. And you'll never know. Let's you'll talk never about know this. unless you're here. Oh, a quarter know. just got put in no, the ride. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we don't have go. a lot of time, so we're going to do it quickly. But we say this all the time. Things can go crazy on a regular basis, a weekly basis. It happens. We are there. Sammy, you, Vic, down in NXT, myself on Monday Night Raw. Every week, things are constantly in flux and constantly changing. Why is that? Because we have got the best team and crew on the planet Earth. And we know that despite all of the changes and chaos and variables, we are going to go out and get the job done. Because let's be honest, things are constantly changing. But even when something gets blown up right in the middle of the show, well, we'll figure it out. We're going to course correct in between. And we do. And between the talent on screen and the amazing crew backstage and at ringside and the, every aspect of this business, when we converge and we're on the same page, you can't touch it. Preach. There are times when I'm frustrated with it. At the, like I'm, I'm saying when things are going awry and I'm frustrated and I'm about to go out and I go, this just shouldn't happen. This should be the week where it all explodes so that this never happens again. But it never happens. It, and it never we always, will. We always pull it off. And it's a testament to how talented everybody is. It's crazy. Like, this shouldn't work. But it nope. does. Every <laughs> and week. And just once, I'm like, just once, I'd love for it to not work. So they go, guys, we just, we can't keep operating this way. <laughs> We've we need to have this. We need to have things set beforehand. We can't have it this close to the wire. You know, but but no, we all that's how we live, off. but that's it. So that's and why it all, keeps happening. Exactly, exactly. That's nothing will ever change until something goes wrong. But the way right. everyone's firing on all cylinders, man, nothing truly goes wrong. It's the beauty of live TV. Yeah. There there was there was a few weeks back, and you'll know what I'm alluding to when things changed in a very drastic manner on Monday Night Raw. And I walked back through the curtain and I walked up to our uh, fearless leader and he had a grin on his face. Hey. It's live TV. Nothing can go wrong, right? And he just laughed and shook my hand and went about his business. Like, he, that's he, that's it. I, I think he secretly loves it. He loves the chaos. I, I think he does too because it keeps the crew on their toes. Right. <laughs> so I, I realized this about myself because you, you won't know this because we don't you know put stuff together. You're out there already. Right, right. But I am always, always without fail. My time management is so poor. I am scampering. To the last second, my music's playing. I haven't stretched properly. I haven't, nothing, not everything is set. And every week, every single week, I say, why do I do this to myself? I, I know what the problem is. It's poor time management. Why don't I stretch earlier? Know what time it is. Check my phone. Check the time. Why don't I balance it out? And I realized about six months ago, I said, I think, I think I secretly love this. <laughs> I think I secretly love torturing myself. 
and throwing myself in this chaotic situation because when you don't have everything ready, you're going out and your, your nerves are like, everything's up here. And in a way that like keeps you firing, I don't know, it keeps you, I don't know what it is. But could you imagine, Sammy, everything falling into place properly for you? And you're like, oh, I'm calm, I'm ready. And then you just walk out as if everything was normal. That might throw you off your game. Well, I don't know because I've never been a stage actor, but I would imagine a stage actor knows their lines, has prepared. And then when it's time to do the show, they walk out on stage and do the show. You would think, I'm sure they still get nervous, don't get me wrong, but you would think that's how it works. I know what I'm doing tonight. And I'm going to go do it. That's not how it works. In the- it's not like in the middle of Hamlet. They get cha- they get tossed a variable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 It's the, 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 uh, I remember Kofi, when we were in NXT, you might've still been there, Graves, when uh, Kofi came to talk when the PC first opened up. So this is okay. almost 10 years ago. And somebody asked him, uh, what's, what's the most important skill to have to make it on the main roster? And I remember it to this day because I tell him all the time, you were so right. You nailed it. He said, adaptability. He said, if you are able to adapt to whatever's thrown at you, that's what you need the most up there. You know, because sometimes you'll have seven minutes and then it gets cut down to three. Sometimes you you, you thought you were going to do one thing and then all of a sudden, five minutes before you go out, you're doing something completely different. You have to be able to adapt. And it's absolutely true. Got anything else, Vic? I just realized why my computer keeps freezing. I mean, one second. Oh, what is well, it? I mean, it's late. Now we finished. I know it's it is. Yeah. I'm getting all these text Let's messages. Let's keep this part in. Let's keep so, this part so in. So I've, I've heard like probably every 45 seconds, it stops for 10 seconds. And then 45 seconds, because I have my wow. text going through and I'm getting yelled at it from NXT right now. Wow. You, oh, you BSed your way through this very well if it was freezing uh, that Obviously much. I didn't because I asked a question. And you both looked at me like I was a jackass. No pun intended to Johnny Knoxville. It wasn't a question. It I was stopped a myself. It was a statement and you just stopped talking. <laughs> it was getting to the question. Sammy, what I want to know is this coffee is really hot. It is. It is hot. Yeah, <laughs> I, I go off of it. <laughs> okay. Sammy, we've talked about the the, the journeys and, and you've talked about a bunch of different things here tonight. The question I, I love to ask all those that come on, Kevin Owens and yourself posted a picture after WrestleMania. You had the great moment, Johnny Knoxville. He had the main event with Steve Austin. How hard is it for you to stop and enjoy the moments or is it easier now as you're further along in your career in the WWE? Definitely easier now. Maybe than it, it ever has. Part of it is because I've been doing it 20 years and I'm very mindful of the, uh, the fact that I'm not going to be doing it another 20. And um, and uh, I just, I really take time to appreciate what we're doing. I just wish I could remember it all. <laughs> but right. I mean, that, that, that one, that one I'll remember for sure. I mean, that one, that, that WrestleMania is really, really special for both Kevin and I. And uh, what a moment when we took that picture, it just felt like we were both on top of the world for, for what we did. But I definitely slowed down a lot. I approach again, not just wrestling this way, but life as well. Just like you have to take time to appreciate what you're doing. You can't just zip through it, especially when we, what you're doing is as special as what we're doing right now that we get to do this. It's going to be a blink of an eye one day, you know, we'll be done. And then 20 years will pass and you'll just be like a guy who did this thing (laughs) once upon a time. So you got to appreciate it when you're doing it. I'm a huge, 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 huge believer in that. And now it's much easier than it was. Possibly also another thing is because um, I feel a bit more comfortable in my position with the company than I did maybe five years ago. 
That makes like sense. I, yeah. You know, that might be a thing where before I felt like I was constantly fighting for inches and trying to get a little higher up the totem pole. And I was stressing myself out and it was harder to, to uh, appreciate it when you're just looking at, oh, I got to get a little higher, a little higher, a little higher. And you're not looking at where you're at, but now I'm pretty co- comfortable with where I'm at. Of course, I'd always like to move up a little higher and all that stuff or have more television time. But I, I kind of know that I'm going to be put on SmackDown every week and I'm going to be doing something and it's going to be usually pretty good. So I can appreciate it. I can appreciate it more. It, it is, it's made me, uh, it's put me in a position that makes it much easier for me to slow down and appreciate what I'm doing. Very, very cool to hear. Very cool. We appreciate it as well. Sammy, before I let you go, I know something very near and dear to your heart, your Sammy for Syria charity work. Uh, Let the ATB listeners know where they can check that out. Yeah, thank you. Actually, uh, big news. uh, The second mobile clinic just uh, started operating. So now we're we're currently operating two mobile clinics. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for asking about it. But for for those who don't know what we're talking about, I started back in 2017, so five years ago now, um, a campaign to raise money to launch a mobile clinic operating on the ground in Syria, which is uh, providing medical care for people who who have their homes destroyed or, or whatever because of the war in Syria. So people that wouldn't have access to healthcare, we have a mobile clinic that drives out to them and delivers healthcare to them. So we've been doing it for five years. And as I just said, we just finally launched a second one now. So there's two currently in operation. Uh, and this has all been possible because of the generosity of the fans who've kept the momentum going. Um, and you can help with that, of course, go to sammyforsyria.com. Just any anything you donate helps. Your money goes directly to this mobile clinic. It's... Uh, you can directly see the results of your donation. So uh, I appreciate you asking about it because it is something near and dear to my heart. And I, I do always feel a little guilty that I'm not doing more and more and more, but uh, it has helped a lot of people and we can continue to help a lot of people. We just need to keep, keep it going. So it sounds a great cause. We've, Sounds like you got uh, a lot of hard work in it, and I'm glad to see you're seeing some success pay off. And uh, everyone listening to this, head to SammyForSyria.com. That's S-A-M-I, like Sammy Zane. SammyForSyria.com. Help out if you can. It's a great cause. It's very near and dear to the hearts of Sammy, as well as many around the globe. You can follow us at After the Bell, WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find Vic at Vic Joseph WWE. Listen for free on Spotify. Just search after the bell. Hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. We'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell.